I guess I'll start where all good stories start, at the beginning. We started a new church plant in 2018 in Enid, Oklahoma, to be open and affirming and to accept all people on their journey, wherever they were. In that journey, we started a mission at our church for homeless ministry, and we called it Pennies for Heaven, from heaven, sorry. And we collected every Sunday. The kids go around with their little buckets and collect change from people in the congregation. And the change maybe would be 30 or $40 a month. And we would take that money out and purchase stuff for the homeless. So we started meeting them where they were at. They were at Our Daily Bread that's in Enid, Oklahoma, ran by the Catholics. About 200 to 300 people eat per day, five days a week, at Our Daily Bread. And we started meeting people where they were maybe giving them some water or clothing, asking them what they needed, um, trying to get bicycle tubes or... Then we had the idea to do a pop-up store with free clothing and books and shoes, whatever we thought they might might need. Some of it might have been... Um, Band-Aids and um, Tylenol, over-the-counter, that kind of thing. Then we started meeting them at the Breezeway in Enid, which is a little opening between stores downtown where they would sit on benches and visit with each other. um, Those kind of things. And be in community. Then we found out that they hang out at the library during the uh, winter months and the summer months because it's a cooling station. So we would go in there and visit with them. Just just say hi, hey, we're just checking in. Any updates on things that you need? Um, some people ask for a sleeping bag or a tent or anything that we might have we were able to give away at that time. So there were at least three different places, Our Daily Bread, the Library, the Breezeway, and sometimes the Park. We would find them at Government Springs Park. Uh, The people there were maybe 10 people would be gathered sitting under a pavilion, just kind of shooting the breeze. They talking, exchanging stuff, helping each other, um, sometimes eating food that they had shared among each other. Or um. As we were finding more and more people that were without homes, we began to talk more in our ministry about how we could help them more. We decided that we could afford 
once a month or twice a month to have a dinner for them or a lunching for them. So we would take food to the breezeway. Um, We would make flyers before and hand them out at those places and say there's going to be a free meal at the breezeway. Uh, We had one that was beat the heat. We had watermelon and potato salad and hamburgers and, you know, all those kind of things. And they enjoyed each other. We enjoyed each other's company. We got to meet more people. People would come on bicycles and walk there. And we would hand them a cold drink and say, you know, welcome and maybe have a prayer at the end. Uh, we never had uh, a service like a, a preaching or anything like that. We just maybe had a prayer at the end. Um, and we just became familiar with uh, the people in our community. Um, one preacher said one time, talked about the Jericho Road. And, and said, find your Jericho Road. Where can you help somebody? Where can you be a good Samaritan? And I think um, we started to find our Jericho Road where we could help in our community. And so we just we just continued to help. Um, then something happened in 2020 called the pandemic. In March of 2020, our town started to shut down. So the library shut down. Uh, Our daily bread was only serving meals out the front door. Um, Places downtown were shutting down. Um, it It was just... There was nowhere for uh, our homeless brothers and sisters to go. And we began to talk to them about what their needs were. And several of them said, you know, we don't even have a place to go use the toilet at. Everything's shut down that we know about. So we made some phone calls and sent out some emails to our city commissioners. And... We talked to them about putting porta potties up and washing stations. We even talked to them about a plan uh, to put people that are on the streets in a park. And we submitted that plan and it was rejected. But part of the plan was the porta potties. And they did put some porta potties downtown where. the people in our community that were homeless could at least go to the toilet. Uh, We continued to care for them and uh, bring clothing and mask and hand sanitizer and all those things uh, to the homeless where they were at. And I think this is what made a big difference uh, in the way they accepted us. When there was nobody else there, we were there helping our brothers and sisters. 
So we made a connection with them that will last, I think, forever. Um, as long as we continue to help and be there for them. At this point, um, some a, a fellow we knew that had helped out, that we had knew that worked for the paper and had done a couple stories on us, decided to uh, get involved with us, and his name was James Neal. He was helping. He would donate money. Um, our friends and family, because our church was um, closed at this time too, uh, nobody was meeting, so our friends and family, we would post something on Facebook. Um, our homeless brothers and sisters need some tents or a sleeping bag or snacks, and our friends and families came through for us. They they would send us packages that we could share with our brothers and sisters on the street, and James was a big part of that. And he joined us. He came out and started helping us serve the community. He, at that time, was Episcopalian. And uh, we didn't understand Episcopalian. Uh, We didn't understand really a lot. We were just doing what we were called to do by God. And he, one time we um, gave pizza to everybody. And he went on the... uh, to go get the pizza for us and we served everybody and you could just see in his eyes that he had found his place too and we were very appreciative to have somebody else in our group that was a helper you know when things get bad and you don't know where to turn look for your helpers that's what Fred Rogers said and that's what happened with us. What can we do in times like this? We can hold on to hope, hold on to our faith. I prayed this prayer almost constantly. God, help me find my sacred place. Help me find a place where I can be quiet and still, a place where I can hear your voice and where I can find comfort and healing. That quiet place that's sacred to you, where you can feel just a little bit of hope. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic where you can't see your family, you can't see your loved ones, you can't see your friends. You're listening to the news, and it's scary. People are dying. And then you have your friends on the street that are having a hard time finding a place to use the bathroom, that are sleeping outside, that are... They don't know what's going on. Their source of news is each other. They don't have listening devices. I mean, they some of them have cell phones, but... You know, they were getting their um, information from the library. And when it was shut down, what do you do? They thought it was just going to last a week or two. Well, we're month after month, this continued to happen. 
I think it was uh, July or August of 2020, and we got a call that our daily bread that served two to 300 to 400 people sometimes was closing because of COVID. So James, Rhonda, and myself, and a lady we know named Janet, was trying to figure out how do you feed three or 400 people daily? How can our little group source three to 400 meals a day? So we looked for the experts and we called Salvation Army. They have a canteen and we all pulled together churches, um, people in the community, and we fed three to 400 people a day for two weeks. They had <laughs> goulash and sloppy joes and ziti and... Um, Breakfast stuff like donuts was given to us and burritos were made and the whole community really worked together to make sure that the people in this town were fed. The people that were hungry were fed. And it reminds me of the story of the five loaves and the two fish, the story of Jesus feeding the crowds of 5,000. It seemed like that to us. We never made it. I don't know how many we end up serving, but I don't think there were 5,000. But when you call a community together and you ask them to do something that's important, it's great that we all work together. Different religions, different beliefs, but we all came together for one reason, to feed our community. So I guess today I'm just beginning at the beginning of our story. I've learned a lot in the last two years of working on the streets, boots on the ground, doing street outreach. And more often than not, there are countless roadblocks for these homeless individuals. Many programs require certain things of those needing assistance that they either aren't capable of doing or won't do. Many of them are not willing to give up their freedom to stay in a shelter. Some people have pets or just a few precious possessions, and they're not willing to abandon them. And some people have mental illness and substance abuse problems. And they can't go to a certain shelter. 
when you're outside and you're looking in, it may look simple. Just get them a job and they'll get off the street. But it's not that simple. And it's never been that simple. Or homelessness would have ended decades ago. Why does the problem keep growing? Why do the programs not work? Well, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of barriers that people have to overcome to get back on their feet, to get into housing. And unfortunately, we don't have the secret combination yet. But when we speak to our community, our brothers and sisters out there on the streets, they know that services do exist and they do access those services. But it can be very difficult. And you have to go from place to place to place to place, wait for an appointment. Well, how do they contact you if you don't have a phone or an address? And these can be daunting, to say the least. And when they've been failed by the system so many times, they stop trying. 